Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 64 of the John Riley Project. Today is Monday, July 29th, 2019. We are broadcasting, as we always do, from the city in the country, Poway, California, 92064. It's all happening right here. And we have set up shop. We're kind of moving the podcast studio around. Um, got some guests that are still staying at our house, uh, taking over the the actual s- standard podcast studio. So we're kind of crammed into my office right now, uh, just trying to experiment with different locations. And it's... Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy this podcast. It gives me a chance to experiment with technology and communicate with you and share some of my thoughts. And today, we're actually going to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about self-improvement. And we're going to get into um, eight immediate steps towards a better health. And I think this will be a really fun conversation. We're going to break down some ideas and some thoughts, and I'll share you know, what I'm doing in some of those categories. And I'm you know, always trying to get better, and I struggle, and I have my challenges. And so we'll talk about eight immediate steps towards a better health. And you know, I'll give you my perspective and share with you some stories of what I'm doing and what I'm working on. But first, a couple of news updates that I want to get into. Over the weekend, just reading the San Diego Union Tribune, and there were three really great articles that I thought are worth sharing. And the first one is, and this is a great one, it's summertime, and it's all about Yacht Rock, man. And there's a great article in the Union Tribune talking about summertime and the listening is easy and it's also breezy and some might argue cheesy. <laughs> and Yacht Rock, I, I, I'm, I must admit, it's one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, actually, I have a few guilty pre- pleasures. One of them is Yacht Rock. The other one is the TV show Ridiculousness on MTV. I mean, I could, I just crack myself up listening to that show. But Yacht Rock, I just really dig it. And the coolest thing about it is, you know, it's that kind of semi-jazzy, sort of swanky music from the late 70s and the early 80s, you know. Um, You know, it's just exactly the name Yacht Rock is exactly what you'd expect to hear while you're, you know, sipping on a mimosa or a margarita out on your boat, you know, enjoying the day on a sunny Sunday afternoon with some adult beverages and and other middle-aged friends like yourself. But it's like artists like Kenny Loggins, Steely Dan, Hall and & Oates. And oh, I, I've always loved Hall & Oates. That's one of those concerts I need to see before those guys hang it up. Um, Pablo Cruz, who actually one of my cousins used to play in a band with one of the guys from Pablo Cruz, kind of a crazy story. Todd Rundgren, Toto, Little River Band, Ambrosia, Christopher Cross, Lionel Richie, and then anything featuring Michael McDonald. And the funniest thing is, is that when I was growing up, this music, this sort of soft rock music was, you know, kind of lame, you know, it was that sort of corporate, overly produced music. I know there are a lot of fans of Steely Dan. Uh, They have like a cult following. I was never really into them when I was young, but for some reason, this music, not only is it a lot more palatable now as as for me as a middle-aged guy, but once you put it in the framework of Yacht Rock, it suddenly becomes fun and cool. And if you listen to um, Sirius XM, you know, the satellite radio, they have a station for Yacht Rock and they've got the, the DJ that is just perfect. You know, he's just so full of himself and got this, you know, swanky 1970s, almost like Ted Knight on the Mary Tyler Moore show, that kind of a voice. And it just makes it so wonderful. Um, But I have actually started really listening to Yacht Rock a lot when I just need some background music because it's the kind of music that relaxes me. And, you know, I don't get too hung up on it. It's just smooth and easy. So, it's, it's official. I'm definitely getting older, uh, but it's all good. So I saw that article. I, I just had to share it. If you're a big Yacht Rock fan, let me know. Shout it out. Um, we can enjoy some adult beverages together, listening to some uh, Kenny Loggins. Um, another interesting news topic, and this is a, a, an issue that I speak about frequently, are, are the, the, the school district finances. And there, an article came out about the Oceanside School District, and they're on the brink of insolvency. Um, they're seeing 
their expenses rise, just like a lot of school districts are, you know, with the employee unions and their ever growing demands for more and more compensation um, and, and combine that with a lot of additional needs, uh, financial needs for special needs students. Um, you know, so there's there's greater demands there. The pension crisis is a real deal. A lot of these school districts and city governments are having to kick in more and more money to pay for pensions because, of course, the state government officials, in order to win the political vote of these employee unions, promised much greater pensions than what could realistically be returned. And so now they're failing to meet their investment uh, benchmarks. And so they're asking city governments, in other words, taxpayers, to kick in more. This is putting pressure in a squeeze. And then in Oceanside, you know, there's a, a, a small movement of people that are leaving traditional public schools and going to charter schools. And then the demographics of Oceanside are shifting. You know, in a economy like now, when we have a really booming economy, interestingly, they're challenged with revenue. Um, and a lot of it is because of the declining census or the declining enrollment. So Oceanside's getting squeezed. And pay attention to this because other school districts are feeling it too. You know, uh, Sweetwater has had a, a, a long series of financial messes. I think it was Imperial B um, down there. I think one of those school districts had their challenges. And of course, Poway continues to be in deficit spending, even in a great economy. They just can't control their spending. And a lot of it's because of the quid pro quo arrangement between school board members and the unions that they, um, they work with. So in order for the school board members to win um, in their election. They seek the endorsement of the teachers union, of the classified staff union, all the administration, and um, they get their endorsement. And then in exchange, the school board watches out for those um, employee unions and avoids cutting their pay, avoids cutting um, personnel unless it's absolutely necessary and they have no other choice. So Poway still in deficit spending, uh, eroding their reserves, and um, they're unwilling to cut any employees. Uh, they're protecting them at the expense of taxpayers. So now we're not only dealing with the billion dollar bond uh, you know, debacle the, or debacle, um, payment's going to start on that. Now we're uh, dealing with uh, continued deficit spending, and you're starting to hear little birds chirping about potentially another bond measure. So really interesting stuff going on in Poway, but Ocean side in a much more severe situation on the brink of insolvency. Their reserves depleting very quickly. They're in deficit spending. And let's see how this plays out. Could be very interesting. And um, the last uh, kind of hot news topic I like to talk about, and I like talking a lot about the housing crisis in California because you know, it's a real deal. You know, people are struggling uh, to make ends meet because housing is so expensive. Now, if you're a homeowner and you're enjoying increase in, in the equity in your home, you know, great for you. Um, I'm on that team where our family has uh, seen an increase in the value of our home. But um, there's a lot of people that are not in that situation. There's a lot of people that are renting and struggling to make their rent payments that have no hope of buying a house because the down payment is so huge. And then the payments are enormous. Um, so it's and then we have the whole situation with homelessness. We have a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck. The housing crisis is serious. Well, the news that just came out is that Pow uh, so I'm not sorry, San Diego County um, just announced its all time high for a median home price of $590,000. So a median home price means of the homes that were just sold, half of them were above $590,000 and half were below. Um, so this is just amazing. Um, and, you know, of course, that price can vary pretty wildly depending on where you are in San Diego County. Um, in the Union Tribune, they had an article and they showed this home in South Park, you know, which is just south of Balboa Park, an 825,000 square foot home built in 1910. And they showed the photo and this this home. I mean, it needed a lot of work. Um, they wanted $600,000 for that, which is just 10 grand over the median home price. Um, and, you know, really, 
to make that work, you really almost have to blow up that house and start from scratch. Um, and they were saying that you know it's it's a big lot, but not an enormous lot. But still, um, that's a night a home from 1910. It's over a hundred years old, and you know they were saying that. The interior of it was just really worked over. Cabinets need to be replaced, paint chipping on the wall. The outside just didn't look very attractive at all. So it's just tough buying a home. Um, It's tough um, finding housing in San Diego County. Um, And a lot of it's because the, the, the government makes it so darn hard for people to build. And if you can't build more homes, then we don't increase the supply. And there's always going to be a massive demand for housing in San Diego County because it's America's finest city. Um, so we're seeing, um, you know, it's, it's the law of supply and demand. It's Econ 101. Supply is constrained. Demand is high. So prices rise. Um, there's another um, there's another home that they featured in Oceanside, a 1,911 square foot home, four bedroom for 591,000. So right there, right around the medium, built in 1973. So a lot more affordable in Oceanside than in South Park, which is right near downtown San Diego. That makes sense. But they were saying in the article, 590,000 gets you so much more in other parts of the United States. In Flagstaff, you can get a 2,000 square foot home built on a lake um, with views of the mountains for 595 grand. In Palos Park, Illinois, a, a home that's nearly 4,000 square feet with cathedral ceilings, a turret and five bedrooms for 575 grand. And in uh, Smyrna, Georgia, there's a three-story 5,200 square foot house with a gym, outdoor garden, game room, and five bedrooms offered for $575,000. So it's no wonder you see a lot of people leaving California, especially those in the middle class that are struggling. You see a lot of people leaving the Bay Area to move um, elsewhere. Um, I've had employees that have worked for me that wanted to start a family and they just couldn't do it in San Diego. And so they've moved. You're, you're seeing more and more of this. And it's because it's so expensive. Um, it's it's uh, they make it harder and harder to build. So, again, I tip my hat to Mayor Faulkner of the city of San Diego. They're trying to reduce regulations. They're trying to um, allow buildings to be built higher. They're trying to allow more high density living um, and they're changing some of the rules to make it less expensive to build. Cities are trying, like at least here in the city of Poway, there's a granny flat initiative that's being discussed. Um, to build a granny flat, you got to pay roughly $28,000 just to the city for all the permitting fees, which is nuts. So the city of Poway is trying to reduce that. Other parts of the county, you can spend over $100,000 in fees just to build a, a single family home. So the whole thing is crazy. Uh, but here are just some other median home prices. In Southern California, Orange County is at 738000 at its median home price. L.A. County, 618, San Diego, 590, Ventura, 580, Riverside, 399, and San Bernardino, $340,000. But unbelievable. So um, really hopeful that... Um, You know, we're going to start to see some changes in the housing crisis in California as we see more supply being built Um, in Poway. They're talking well, they're not talking. They're working towards their plan. Wheels are in motion. Uh, They're going to build uh, over a thousand units along Poway Road. There is discussion and planning underway to convert the Stone Ridge Golf Course into housing that hasn't been approved. It's going to go to the voters. That's the project that's launched by Kevin McNamara. And I hope that he'll have a conversation with me here on the John Riley Project. I'd uh, love to you know, give him an opportunity to, to share with the Poway community what he has in store for that land. Um, you know, That's going to be coming up for a vote in November of 2020. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, enough of uh, current news. I just want to, before I get into these, um, this self-improvement episode and talk about eight steps to improve your health, I, I want to really kind of address something uh, more broadly. And I touched on this when I first started the podcast. And and the question is, why in the hell am I doing this? Why am I doing a podcast? And, you know, a, a lot of it for me, and maybe you feel the same way with how you plan your life and the things you want to accomplish in your life. I just want to make an impact on the world around me. I mean, really, it comes down to that. Um, 
you know, I, I considered politics. In fact, you know, I ran for office in 2014. I've been involved in a lot of committees here locally in the city and the school district. But, you know, you can only do so much there. And and in many ways, you hear the story that politics is really downstream from culture. And that is just so true. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, a lot of times you the culture needs to change before the politicians actually implement change. I mean, think about the topic of gay marriage. That's only recently been approved in the courts, but culture has been working on legalizing gay marriage for decades. And now we're finally seeing the law change now. So in many ways, culture is indeed upstream from politics, if you think of it as a river. Um, And so I thought, as I'm doing a podcast, really maybe my calling is to try to affect culture. And I really think that makes a lot of sense. And so that's why we talk a lot about issues of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we have interviews with community activists and entrepreneurs and athletes and coaches um, and a whole uh, series of interesting people, authors, columnists here in our community. We talk about big ideas, big ideas that have an impact on culture. You know, we had Matthew B. Mitchell in here talking about diversity, uh, talking about inclusion. And so I think for me, it gives me great rewarding feeling, a a great degree of fulfillment to talk through these issues. I learn a great deal. I meet some amazing people along the way doing this podcast, some of which really I I would say are good friends of mine now. It's been incredibly rewarding. Um, But one of the things that I realize is when we talk about culture being upstream from politics, well, you know what? Individual behavior, what we each of us do in our own lives, that's really upstream from culture. So the things that we each do in our own individual lives are the things that impact culture, that can affect culture, that can change culture. And then if enough people are doing it and the culture shifts even further, then that's when we see changes at the political level. So in many ways, I hope this podcast or we're discussing um, a lot of new ideas, big ideas, uncomfortable ideas. But at the same time, you know, we're pursuing interests. We're working on being better. We're trying to improve as individuals. And that's one of the things that I'm doing in this podcast. You know, um, I, I'm trying to get better. And I have my struggles. I mean, believe me, I'm I'm a, a flawed person. Um, and when I get up here talking about some of these topics, by no means am I declaring that I'm some angelic, perfect person. I am far from it. Um, and um, when I'm talking about things like eight ways to immediately improve your health, I mean, this is an article that I read that I thought was really interesting. And it we talk about a number of these issues that we're going to get into where these are things that I'm challenged with myself. And, but the beauty is, is that when I do these podcasts and I talk this out for you, this may be helpful and I hope it is helpful, but for me, this is really helpful for me. Talking through these things is therapeutic for myself. And I said that in the very beginning on episode one of this podcast project, I said, I'm doing this podcast for selfish reasons. I'm doing it for me uh, because I want to have these conversations. I want to learn about these big ideas. I want to meet these interesting people. And when we talk about issues like self-improvement, I want to get better. Hashtag be better. Um, So that's what this is all about. Um, And in the end, it's all about self-esteem. When we're talking about self-improvement, I'm working on ways to build my own self-esteem. Maybe you are. Maybe you're going to get some benefit out of this. But I just wanted to tee it up with that. So this whole podcast, why the hell am I doing it? I'm trying to affect the world around me. I'm trying to make the world a better place. I'm trying to make myself better. And I hope you can join me on this path and we can improve together and we can work on affecting the world around us together in a positive way. Okay. Um, eight immediate steps towards better health. The first one is, and this is a great one, learn to say no. It's like Nancy Reagan, just say no. No, so learn to say no. Man, this is so powerful. Um, and, you know, for myself, I, I've often have 
you know, and I still to this day, I mean, I'm in my, my mid fifties. I can be a, I can be one of those people that always wants to please others. Are you that way sometimes? You know, I, I'm always thinking about how I can help other people and that's good helping other people. But a lot of times I'm not taking care of myself first. You know, it's almost like you have to be able to take care of yourself first before you can help other people. And if you're constantly saying yes to the needs of everyone else, then you make no time for yourself. And that's why it's important to have boundaries. And that's why it's important to say no. Um, Because every day we're getting hit up from people that want to do business with us, um, people that we're meeting and, you know, there's everyone has different needs. So everyone's kind of maybe pulling on your tail. Uh, They need you for this or that. Maybe it's family, friends, again, business. We can't say yes to everybody because there's not enough time in the day. Uh, because not be, also because we need to take care of ourselves. Um, and I'll tell you a great story. So, you know, I said uh, recently in one of my podcasts, at least on the John Riley Project Insiders Group, that's that special closed Facebook group that you're invited to join us on, where I post um, bonus content. Um, one of those uh, bonus uh, videos that I shared there, I had commented how I just recently. Um, had my 15-year anniversary as a self-employed person. Uh, That's when I had quit the corporate day job, uh, the corporate middle management job, and literally set up shop in my garage and started my own company. Um, And, you know, prior to that, for three years prior, I had been doing it on a moonlighting basis, and I got it to the point where I could take the leap. Um, It's been an extraordinarily fulfilling and great, um, a great run that I'm having, and I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. But um, and it's a massive challenge. But I'll say this, that when I was getting started, I wanted to say yes to everybody. You know, you want to do business? Yeah, let's do business. And I wanted to say yes to everything. And what I ended up doing was getting myself into a bad spot. Um, And I had hired a business coach. And if you're ever a solopreneur, a business coach can be extremely helpful because when you're running a business by yourself, you have no one to talk to, no one to really share ideas with, um, no one to help you kind of plan a strategy and then hold you accountable to get your stuff done. Um, When you're a solo entrepreneur, it's easy to drift. It's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to do this and this and then never get to it. And because you don't have a boss, you're not being held accountable. Um, a business coach can help you do that. And I had a business coach and he was extremely helpful and shared with me something really basic, something I understood when I had a, um, a sales job back when I worked for a large corporation. It's uh, prioritizing your prospects and you have prospects in the A, B and C buckets. The A's are the prospects that can literally make a major change into the into the income stream of your company that can be huge anchor clients. B customers, B prospects, those are the ones that are solid business. You like helping them out. You like bringing them in. Um, those are the Bs. And then the Cs are really those little guys, um, the little guys that spend very little and want to spend even less than that. And interestingly, seem to take up all of your time. Well, when I was getting started, I was like a puppy dog. I wanted to say yes to everybody. And I had too many of those C prospects and I had to wean myself off of them. I had to say no. I had to learn to say no. And I've gotten a lot better at that. And in fact, not too long ago, I actually fired one of my clients. Again, it was my business had grown and got to a point where, again, I had to I had to thin out the people that I was working with, um, you know, to to minimize those that really offered the least amount of profit margin for me. I had to say no. And it was, it's a very healthy process. Um, but it's hard to sometimes to say no, you know, cause those are always uncomfortable discussions. Um, but you have to be able to speak out for your own interests. Um, and again, it's easy. People want you to sacrifice yourself for other people, but you've got to be brave. And I've talked about this hashtag be braver in some of my other podcasts. You have to be able to set those boundaries and say no. Even if people try to guilt trip you into it, if, you're, if your radar is up and you have great awareness, you can see that guilt trip coming. And that's when you've got to emphatically say no. Um, so, 
And this is something that I still struggle with, uh, but um, I'm getting better at it. So the first one on the eight immediate steps towards better health, learn to say no. All right. The second one is listen to my body. This is a good one, too. This all goes back to the same principle. You have to take care of yourself first. It's it's almost like, you know, you're in an airplane and they go over the safety instructions and they say, um, you know, in case of emergency and the air mask falls down, put the air mask over yourself first before you put it on your child. That makes sense. Now, you have to take care of yourself first so that you're in a position to take care of your child. It has to go in that order. Um, so it's the same thing here. With your own body, you have to take care of yourself first. And again, this is an area where I personally struggle a lot. Um, One of the things is, is just listen. Listen to your body. Rest when rest is required. I stretch myself way the hell too thin sometimes. Um, You ever like stay up and and you get such little sleep that you literally, your body is in pain. Um, That happens to me sometimes. And I kick myself for that because I let myself go too far. Um, I'm not taking care of myself. So I'm trying to have a bedtime as, as an adult, but it's really, really hard. Um, but I'm trying to listen to my body, trying to get better at it. I'm also trying to improve myself on eating only when eating is required. Again, listen to your body. Are you truly hungry? Um, speaking for myself, I'm... You know, I need to lose weight. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I find myself a lot of times when I'm stressed out, I eat. A lot of times when I'm avoiding doing something that I should be doing, I will eat as a form of an escape. Um, and and in none of those cases am I actually hungry. But I'm trying to get better at this. I'm trying to recognize it. I'm trying to drink more water, which I've talked about in one of the podcasts. Because sometimes when you're feeling that way, when you're feeling that hunger, sometimes it's not really hunger. Sometimes you're just thirsty. Sometimes it's just your nerves that are barking at you and it's not hunger. Um, So it's hard. You have to have great awareness and you have to hear, you have to listen to certain cues. But in the end, the second thing, listen to your body. All right. The third thing. Let go of what is not working. Okay, again, another one that I'm trying to get better at. Now, the unhealthy relationships. This is a good topic. Um, We've all been in unhealthy relationships, whether they're personal relationships, business relationships. I mean, I've had to let relationships go, and sometimes it's really hurt. Um, I was, uh, you know, from my late 20s until my late 40s, I used to play music in a rock band. And, you know, just really glorified garage band, cover band mostly, um, and just had fun with it. And I had a group of guys that we played together in a band for almost 10 years. Um, Two of the guys and the other two, the other four of us, two of the other guys in the band, really good friends. Third guy in the band, not really a good friend of mine, but he was a friend of another guy in the band. Um, but he and I never saw eye to eye and it got to a point where that relationship with that one person was so difficult, so challenging. I had to walk away from it and it ended up costing me relationships with two good people. It still hurts. Um, am I better as a result? I think so. I'm not certain that my two other friends, I still try to keep in contact with them. One of them, I do a better job than the other. Um, But that was really hard for me. Um, But I knew that that relationship, the way it was constructed, it was bringing me down um, because that one person was a very, very difficult situation. I had to walk away from it. And I've also, I've done the same thing in business. Um, Back in... I'd say around 2004 to 2006, we had uh, built a relationship with with Dish Network, my company, and we were doing marketing projects for Dish Network franchises and independent resellers all over the, the southwestern United States. And it was an interesting business. But again, this was kind of the the ABC rule. We picked up a lot of C clients, um, really little clients that were very demanding. 
and spent very, very little money. And we had and we had to walk away from that, too, because it just got to be such a burden that we weren't maximizing our time and effort um, with those particular clients. We had to walk away from an unhealthy relationship. We had to let go of what was not working. Um, But the same thing is true. You know, letting go of what is not working. It's also letting go of old ideas and old beliefs, you know, like like having trouble saying no. Maybe as a young person speaking for myself, I was trained to always say yes and try to please other people. That was deeply woven in inside of me. And it's taken a long time to break that down. Um, But, you know, the, the other thing that's interesting, too, is when you let go. When you let go of what is not working, when you let go of unhealthy relationships, what always happens is, and it's a cliche, you know, when one door closes, another door opens. To me, that has always been so true. Um, When I walked away from my corporate middle management job in 2004, that was like taking a step off of a cliff. Um, I didn't know what the future was going to be, but I had confidence in myself. And sure enough, new doors opened, new clients came forward and business blossomed. Um, It's interesting how that works. It's almost like you clear the deck of negative situations. It's it's almost like one plus one is three. That that amount of negative energy you're removing seems to free up even more opportunity for positive energy. Um, so yeah, new doors open up, no doubt about it. The other thing that's interesting too, and this let go of what is not working. Do you ever get into situations where things are just so damn hard? Sometimes things are just so difficult. It feels like you're trying to take a square peg and bang it into a round hole. Sometimes things just don't fit. And that's sometimes hard to walk away from. For me, sometimes I've tried to force those situations, force those solutions, force that square peg into a round hole. And that always ends up in a bad result. It always ends up in a very unsatisfactory result. So um, let go of what is not working. So that's the number three issue. Number four, in the list of Eight immediate steps towards better health. Accept myself as is. This is a good one. Give myself credit for how far I've come. Man, you know, um, I don't know about you, but I beat myself up a lot. Um, And sometimes I don't give credit to myself for what I have achieved. Sometimes my friends and family have to remind me um, because I have achieved a great deal. Have I achieved everything I want to? No, <laughs> I have a long ways to go still. Um, but I have to understand that I have to give myself credit. I have to be able to pat myself on the back um, and really take credit for what I've done. It's not easy to do. Sometimes people don't want to give themselves credit. Sometimes people are too humble to a fault. And I think giving yourself credit can help you build confidence help you build self-esteem can tell you it can tell you that you that you're worthy that you really are accomplished and i think sometimes self-talk can tear you down so accept accept yourself as is and like i said quit beating yourself up you are worthy you're better than you think you are um, but sometimes we fail to recognize that in ourselves i'm struggling with that all the time And um, always trying to find ways to acknowledge. Some people say to give gratitude for what you have. But it's also okay to to acknowledge and take pride in the things that you've accomplished. Accept yourself as is. And we all want to improve. But where you are now is okay. It is. It's okay. Things could always be worse. Um, But make sure you say yes to new opportunities. Um, Make sure you say yes to loving yourself. Accept yourself as is. That's number four. Number five, say yes to feeling good. Ah, This is a sweet one. Um, Don't deny yourself. Um, I I don't know. I, I also do this as well. Sometimes, like, I feel like I need a new pair of shoes and I just won't buy them. I deny myself. I can afford the shoes. I need the shoes. Why don't I buy them? 
sometimes you don't feel like, again, if you don't feel like you're worthy of them, um, then you deny yourself an opportunity to feel good. Well, I'm not saying we need to live our lives striving for feel good opportunities. That's not a, that, that's no way to live your life. Um, but when those moments do come up where you have an opportunity to feel good, yeah, if it makes sense, then just do it. If it's the rational, right thing to do, then do it. Don't deny yourself. Um, treat yourself. You can give yourself a gift. It's okay. I have to remind myself of that all the time. Same thing with lunch. Like, lunch is a good one for me. Um, when I'm out and about, um, let's, like one of my clients, I, I work in their office a few days a week. And I usually leave around 1130 or 12 and I'll stop and get lunch on the way home. And sometimes, you know, I'll get, you know, fast food. And then I think about it. I said, wait a minute, I deserve better than that. I do. And so now what I've been doing is I'll stop and I'll go to a sushi restaurant and treat myself because I just worked hard. I just earned money working for my client doing good things for my client, I deserve something that's better than fast food. So I have to keep reminding myself of that. Um, the other thing too, in this category of saying yes to feeling good, is do things that make you feel good despite what other people say. So again, like this podcast is a great example. People are like, why in the hell are you doing that? I would never do a podcast in a million years. I would never talk about my life in front of a video camera and put it on YouTube. I would never talk about politics on YouTube no, or, or on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. I would never do that. I hear that all the time. They're like, I can't believe you do it. You're nuts. Um, but you know what? I get great satisfaction, great fulfillment. I've already shared with you the reasons for this, but people will sometimes try to drag you down and you've got to be able to shake it off. A, a friend of mine who I work with, gosh, this was back in the nineties. Um, he used to say that some of the guys in his neighborhood were like crabs. And he, he, he said, he, I use it as an example of like a glass. Imagine if you have a tall glass and there's a bunch of those little crabs in the glass and when one of them tries to climb out of the glass and escape to better opportunity, the other crabs will pull them down and suck them right back down into the gutter. And we see that kind of dynamic happen all the time, where when people want to try something new to take a risk because they think it's an opportunity to feel good about themselves, others will try to tear them down. We've got to be able to ignore them. Um, so... Yeah, so say yes to feeling good. Like I said, you can't live your entire life on that. Otherwise, we'd all be addicted to cocaine and and uh, not working a, a day in our lives. But you've got to be able to understand that you are worthy. You are you are worthy of love, and you're better than you think. You are. So say yes to feeling good. All right, number six in the list of the eight immediate steps towards improving your health. Number six, find time each day to be alone. Um, yeah, depending on your situation, this could be very difficult or really easy. I mean, depending on where you live and where you work. For me, this hasn't been a problem for me at all. Um, you now, I, I talk about it how, you know, we're. My wife and I were now empty nesters, although the kids are back this summer and two of my son's um, teammates are living with us for part of the summer. But in a few weeks, they'll, the, the three boys will be gone. And in, uh, by the end of the year, my daughter will be moving to San Francisco to start her new job now that she's out of college. Um, we'll be back to empty nester phase then. And so then it's easy to find time to be alone. But also as a solopreneur, I have lots of opportunity to be alone. And sometimes that alone time is good because it gives you time to think and it gives you time to plan and to do it without distraction. So pay attention to your senses. That's a good one. That's part of this when you're alone. What you see, hear, feel, and smell. And this is an area that I could improve on. People talk about this. When you're alone, go for walks, walks in nature. 
give your mind that chance to relax and to take in all these new sensations that you can't get from an air-conditioned office. Um, I need to do better at that. I have no problem having alone time, but I could probably use it a lot better. Um, Simplify your life. This is number seven. This is a great one. And you see um, some of this, you know, in, in a lot of books have come out. There's a lifestyle about this sort of minimalism, slowing down, slow your life down. Sometimes, sometimes you need to slow it down so you can simplify it because sometimes there's too many moving parts. Um, purge things from your life. This is a good one, too. Um, and I've been doing a lot of this. I've been purging clothes, um, purging all sorts of things, uh, purging things in my garage, just trying to whittle things down. I'm trying to do the same thing in my office. Just get rid of stuff. It's just stuff. And you know what? When you get rid of stuff, it also frees up space in your mind. And here's a good example. Um, one of the analogies I talk about um, with my employees, and you know, I've been talking about this story forever, is you ever see a person with a really, really messy desk? I used to be that way. But what I always found out is that the cleanliness of my desk was a direct reflection of the cleanliness of what was in my mind. Is that if I had a really, really messy desk, my mind was often very cluttered too. Um, So purging things from your desk is a wonderful activity because for me, it's almost like hitting a reset button. It gives me a chance to reset my to-do list, reset my priorities, and that exercise of cleaning a desk purging what's not necessary, purging projects that really don't really need to be finished because the time has passed uh, or maybe they're lower priorities and really should be backburnered. Going through that exercise of cleaning your desk is a great way to clean your mind. Um, and then there's this topic and you know, we, we hear all about uh, bucket lists. This, this is a new concept that came forward in, in this article I recently read and it's called a reverse bucket list. And this is great because I, I remember not too long ago coming up with the idea of a not a to-do list, but a stop doing list. And, and to, to, this is a powerful concept. Um, so there was an article and it came out recently um, and it was from Arthur C. Brooks. And, from, and this article was written in The Atlantic. And this guy is the former CEO of the American Enterprise Institute, which is a think tank. And the article is interesting. It's called Your Professional Decline is Coming Much Sooner Than You Think. And in the article, he says, what I need to do in effect is stop seeing myself as a canvas to fill and start seeing it more as a block of marble to chip away at and shape something out of. I need a reverse bucket list. My goal for each year of the rest of my life should be to throw out things, obligations, and relationships until I can clearly see my refined self in its best form. And that's beautiful. And he talks about it as this this notion of a reverse bucket list as being something that he really began, I think, in his late 40s or early 50s. Because when we're in our 20s and 30s and we're building and growing and we're building businesses, building our families, we're all about acquiring more stuff, building, adding on. We want increase. We want more. But when you get older, you realize the value of decrease of subtraction, because by subtracting the things that are lower priorities, subtracting the things that are less necessary, we get down to what's really important. It's just like seeing yourself, as he said, as a marble to be chipped away at and to shape something out of. So this is beautiful. And so I'll include a link to this article in the show notes. Um, And the article, again, is called Your Professional Decline is Coming Much Sooner Than You Think. And again, it's about you know, career for people that are in their 50s. But there's a lot more to this article. It's really powerful. So I'll share those links. And the last thing in the eight Um, immediate steps you can do to improve your health. Number eight, talk about or write out what's worrying you. Um, Journaling. And I I did a whole podcast on journaling a few months ago. This to me is very powerful. And today I just did a really long journal entry. Um, Like I said, I have this Microsoft Word document that I've been working on since 2013. And most days, not every day, but most days I will write an entry in there. And what I do is I unload 
everything that's in my mind. And I just let it out. I let it pour out onto paper. And then I will literally cut and paste and move things around and then organize my thoughts that way in a Microsoft Word document and then sort of reinsert it back into my mind. And when I do that, I see the world so much more clearly. And it's a very powerful tool. Um, and just over the last few weeks, I've had a lot on my mind lately. And, you know, just a lot of things, some confusing things. And, you know, how sometimes you can find two or three points and you can just cycle them over and over and over in your mind. And it can literally drive you crazy. Um, what I found was so valuable was just write them all, writing these things all out. And then that, that constant cycling over and over largely goes away and then things relax in your mind. And then by writing it out, you can prioritize and focus on what's important. And then that gives you a new, new piece of clarity moving forward. So journaling is huge. So this number eight, talk about or write about what's worrying me. Huge journaling. If you're fortunate to have someone you can talk to about rather than just writing it in a document, but actually talking it out with a friend or a support group or a professional, that can be extremely helpful as well. Um, is you know, and, and there it's almost like the men are from what is it? Men are from women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Have you heard of that book? That was really popular like 20 or 30 years ago. And I remember that one of the key things there was. Um, Sometimes when men and women get into arguments or the a woman might just want to vent, just wants to share something happened in her life and men by nature want to just fix it. But sometimes a woman doesn't want you to fix her problem. She just wants you to listen and acknowledge and to um, and, and to give her support, let her know it's OK. Um, if you have that kind of an opportunity to unload on someone and they can listen and tell you it's okay. That can be very powerful as well. Um, and then of course, you know, when you talk things out, you write out what's worrying you, helps you reduce stress. Again, I've talked about it. It's just like unloading when you, when you have all that noise in your head, releasing it, whether it's in writing or verbally, literally clears a mind. It's very powerful. Um, so those are the eight immediate steps towards better health. Number one, learn to say no. Number two, listen to my body. Number three, let go of what is not working. Number four, accept myself as is. Number five, say yes to feeling good. Number six, find time each day to be alone. Number seven, simplify my life. And number eight, talk about or write out what is worrying me. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, like I said in the beginning, I'm, I, I'm not trying, when I'm doing this, I'm not trying to pontificate from some ivory tower about how good I am on these issues. I'm not. I'm struggling with these. I'm challenged with these issues. I'm working on being better. And I hope by sharing this with you, it helps you be better. Um, and maybe it gives you some insight to what I'm all about, what I'm trying to do. But for me, just in these moments of uh, sharing this in the podcast, I feel better. I feel better about me. And I this helps reinforce in me the things that I need to be working on. Okay, so um, what's next? What's coming up next? Um, tomorrow is Tuesday. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday are the next round of Democratic presidential debates. So, you know, I, I, again, I talked about culture being upstream from politics, but I still love talking about politics. So we'll have some coverage of the Democratic debates. I don't know if I'll do one on Tuesday and Wednesday or if I'll just do it on Wednesday to recap both of them. Um, but this should be fascinating. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing if some of the lesser people can step up and make a move. Um, I know one guy is not on there anymore, Eric Swalwell, but um, the uh, governor of Montana has now qualified. So there's still 20. And I know that the next round of debates, which I think will be in September, they're going to thin the herd a little bit more. 
But tomorrow should be fascinating. I'm really looking forward to the conversation, uh, the drama. It should be fun. Um, so that'll be Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll be sharing some thoughts on that. And then I'll definitely be live tweeting. So if you want to follow me on social media, my Twitter uh, handle is John Riley Poway. Uh, so I'll be live tweeting the Democratic debates. And then also, hey, if you want to follow me on social media, you can always reach out to Facebook at John Riley Project. Um, I also have that special um, Facebook group, the John Riley Project Insiders Group. It's a closed group. You have to request permission, answer a few questions, but I let everybody in. So um, just re- search for John Riley Project Insiders Group and request permission to join us. And there, like I said, I have bonus content. I do videos when I'm out on the road. We have some more intimate conversations in that group. Um, so those are for the um, the enthusiastic fans of this podcast. And, and for those of you that are enthusiastic fans of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Um, So I'll leave you this with a closing quote. And I always love these closing quotes. And this is from a a cultural sensation, an icon. Um, It's from Madonna. Um, And uh, the, the, the musician Madonna, the artist Madonna. And she says, freedom comes when you learn to let go. Creation comes when you learn to say no. Wow. Okay, this is beautiful. Um, Freedom. Okay, we talk about this podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Freedom comes when you learn to let go. When you unshackle yourself from the things that are dragging you down. That's when freedom comes. And creation comes when you learn to say no, because when you learn to say no, the people that are pulling on your tail, tell them no, that clear space, both physical time and energy, um, but also really your mental ability, a clear space in your mind to be creative and to be focused. And creation only comes when you learn to say no. So Madonna, Thanks for the final word here on the John Riley Project. So with that, I say goodbye. I'll be back. This is episode number 64 of the John Riley Project. It is Monday, July 29th, 2019. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll see you later. Goodbye, friends. Bye-bye.